Welcome to the first Intuition podcast. On this episode, we talk to Alexandra Bond Burnett. We look to identify and become more aware of our own unconscious bias. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, I've put a link that you can register at in the show notes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman. I'm back this week and I'm joined by someone that's really filled my boots for two weeks, Dave Malthouse. Thank you for holding the fort for me, Dave. No problem at all, Ben. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, but it's great to see you back. Um, I, I know that people were inquiring uh, as to your health and want to know that you're okay, but it's good to see that you are back and raring to go. I am back. So I, I have had COVID. I tested positive the week before last. I felt a bit groggy for a couple of days, but then I felt better, but was still testing positive every morning when I was doing my lateral flow test. So I did have to serve the full 10 days of um, staying at home in isolation. That finished just before the weekend. So I'm now back out and about. I am back out walking with the dog, which is lovely. And, and have you? Do you have any of the? Um, do you have any of the symptoms of losing your sense of taste and smell? Incredibly lucky. I, I think we, we, we've all had the symptoms shown to us and, and told to us. My symptoms were really just a headache, feeling quite tired by the end of the day. I didn't lose any of my senses, which is fantastic because I, I quite like my food, and the thought of losing my taste buds would not be appetising. Yeah, I, I've, I still haven't fully regained my sense of smell. So um, I can only sell certain things. I had COVID last year in back in July. Um, but I remember when when it it hit our house, my youngest son, James, woke up one morning to discover that he'd lost his sense of, of taste completely. And it, he, it was bizarre. He woke up in the morning and he took his temperature and then he was cheering because he beat his brother because he had a higher temperature than him, which is not really something you should cheer about. Then he discovered that he couldn't taste and he just went into our cupboards, just trying everything. He's like big spoonful of chili powder. Mm, I can't taste it, Dad, it's brilliant. Um, so he was really excited about it, but that wore off after a while when he realized he couldn't taste chocolate and things like that. So you've had a couple of guests on in my absence and I have been listening to the podcast. It's really nice actually to, to listen to it without the, the slight cringe of hearing your own voice. So I've really enjoyed the two episodes. I know in one of them you were joined by Aaron and Aaron is, is our team captain on the Land's End to John O'Groats Mile Challenge. I know you are heading up a team in Chelmsford for that, Dave. How is it going? We, we are about 520 miles in, so um, I think we're in the very north of England now. We're, we're about to cross the border, hopefully any day soon, into Scotland. Um, we're almost exactly halfway through in times of time as well. So it's yeah, that 500 mile mark is around halfway. So we're on track. Um, you know, Me being me, I'd rather we were a bit further ahead because I'd like to have a few miles in the pocket just in case we get an injury. But we, we have had our squad ravaged by COVID over the last couple of weeks. So I think we, we, we're doing really well to be where we are. And I don't think you're, you're too far away from us, are you? We're not too far behind you. Um, I got a picture of the Proclaimers on my internal messenger channel today, which I took as meaning we have passed the 500 mile mark, which is fantastic. 
Big shout out to my team. If you're listening to the podcast while you're out walking, thank you. Keep going. I've had 10 days in isolation, so I feel really bad that I've let the team down a bit without chipping in the miles, but I am now back out there trying to remember to start my Strava app when I leave the house, which a couple of times at the weekend, I thought he really could have recorded that because it would have been another mile onto the, the, the challenge. So I must remember to switch on Strava, but hopefully our miles will continue to pick up. But I'm really enjoying the challenge and really enjoying seeing people sharing their messages. Lots of people actually out taking pictures as they're going for walks and jogs, which has been lovely. Almost a mini winter watch. I've seen pictures of, of birds and I had the pleasure of seeing a kingfisher on my first walk out of the house, which was amazing because I don't think I've ever seen a kingfisher before and took the dog for a walk down by the river. And hey ho, Mr. Kingfisher was was flipping around beside me. So I, I put kingfishers in the same category as kind of unicorns and dragons on base that I don't actually think they really exist. I just think they're in, in painted in children's books. But um, the other day I, I was I, I was running at kind of six o'clock in the morning and um, alongside me there was a big field and there was a big um, herd of deer that were kind of like attempting to run along with me, I think. Um, obviously they couldn't keep up then because I'm remarkably fast and fleet of foot at that time in the morning. Um, but it's, yeah, it is really nice to see all those things. It's a really good event to kind of get everyone outside and kind of being a bit active and bringing us all together as a team. So I'm really enjoying it. Brilliant. So we have got a topic of conversation tonight, Dave. You've arranged a guest to join the podcast. Shall we introduce Alexandra? Good evening, Alexandra. Hi. Hi, both of you. Thank you for having me along. Well, thank you for joining. We've got a bit of a tradition every time we get a new guest onto the podcast. Our first question really is a bit about yourself. When we were just off air, you talked about it being the Silla Black questions. <laughs> for anyone that can remember the, the TV show Blind Date, what's your name and where do you come from? So, Alexandra, I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about you and your background. I really dated myself with that question, didn't I? <laughs> so I don't even know when that went off the air. Um, yeah, so um, uh, so my name, full name, Alexandra Bon Burnett, and, uh, and I work as a coach and I work in uh, the accountancy and finance industry and I work with helping technical um, technical people become great people people um, and and the reason is is huge is actually because as as accountancy has grown over the years and it's adopting more and more processes um, actually it relies more and more on relationships and self-awareness and also communication skills so that's what I do and um, and I'm located down in the southeast corner of the UK just uh, in East Sussex so that's where I come from. <laughs> Excellent and I think that Ben and I um, we were both lucky enough at the end of last year to attend a training session that, that you that you ran for us and it was on on, on the back of attending that training session and really enjoying it that Ben and I had a chat and, and decided that it would be you know great to get you to come on and talk about some of those some of those themes um, so you know you know, I, I know kind of like you know, how great the work that you do is because, you know, I've, I've experienced it myself. But um, the, the theme today that we're going to be looking at is the, the theme that you, you were kind of introducing to us, the idea about unconscious bias. And what, what I remember really, really vividly from that, and Ben and I were only talking about it earlier this week, was that you asked us to, um, to, to do kind of an exercise um, and asked us to do some work. Now, 
in a classroom environment or a teaching environment, it works quite nicely to leave a big gap for people to go and do classwork, but it's not really appropriate. I think if someone's going out for a run, they don't want to hear silence for five minutes. So what I thought we would do is kind of, if you wanted to kind of introduce that, that exercise that you asked us to do, and so the listeners and the people here tonight can then have a little think about that over kind of the next 10, 15 minutes, and then we'll reflect back on those, those once we've kind of gone through, you know, really your ideas around unconscious bias. So I don't know if you want to explain what that exercise was. Yes, well, this, okay, so we're posing this to the question uh, to everyone who's listening um, uh, at any given point of time, which is, I want you to think about um, the 10 people that you would go to to ask advice from. Um, So if you had a problem, it could be a work problem, it could be a um, personal problem, definitely helpful in terms of the work workplace as well or in terms of your studies or in terms of um, your learning journey uh, as a professional as well is who do you go to who are the 10 people that you trust the most that you would go to to get help to to ask reflective questions to to seek their expertise um, who are those people? So that's the question I'm going to pose to you guys. And, and that's, they've got to actually be real life people. Yeah. They can't just be, oh, I'd go and speak to my accountant. <laughs> it's it's got to no, be. Yeah. Right yes, good point. Good point. Yes, they have to be actual people that you would actually ask for advice from. So, so um, your, yeah, yeah. So yes, um, your, your tutor, your friend on a course, um, uh, who is it? <laughs> Yeah, you guys, Ben and Dave. And uh, <laughs> who would you ask um, for help? Um, who is your go-to? Like immediately you've got a problem, something's happened, um, or you can't figure something out, maybe to do um, ethically, maybe um, to do with, oh, should I take this job or not? Maybe, oh, I don't know what to do about this exam. Um, what? Who would you go and ask for help? Yeah, I can see Ben is already writing down his ideas. He's doing it all over again. <laughs> I am. I, it'd be really interesting, Alexandra, to see my list from when we did this session back. I think it was October, November time, whether whether my list of 10 are the same. I think they probably are. But I, I must confess, I didn't keep the original list from this exercise. But I, I found this really, really insightful after having then heard you, you speak on the topic of unconscious bias and then reflect back on, wow, who was, who was on that list. So if you're listening, I would encourage you to do this exercise, record those 10 people, because I think it will be quite insightful after hearing what Alexandra is going to speak about on this session to then go back and, and review that list and just look at who they are. Yes, it means you have to listen to the end so that you know what this is all about. <laughs> I, I love that. That, that. I think in the industry is referred to as a hook, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that exactly that so so if we, if we kind of put that to one side for a minute we're going to come back to it um i i i i done kind of a little bit of work at trying to understand kind of a, 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 what unconscious bias is but i'm by no means an expert and it's something that i find quite difficult to to articulate so mm. for, for the benefit of the the, the the listeners and the viewers here today how would you describe what unconscious bias means? Unconscious bias means the way that your brain formulates decisions that you are unaware of and 
and how they impact the way that you choose things, decide things or learn things. Okay, so the way that your brain is already guiding you in a certain direction mm. and but you're not consciously making a decision, but your brain is directing you in that way. Yes, yes. It's loosely speaking, it's the way that you're influenced mm -hmm. and we're influenced in so many ways and, and we don't realise it. Um, so there are there are decisions you make every single minute of the day, um, every and also opinions you form and uh, thoughts you have. And those thoughts and those decisions and those choices are all dictated um, in some way by by kind of um, it's like having a bit of uh, external memory in your brain. If we think of it like a computer, it's developed, it's like AI. Well, it is better than AI, of course. <laughs> AI is trying to be like a brain. Um, yeah. but, but it is, it's learned things um, across the whole of your life um, by external influences. And those influences are somewhere right at the back um, and we're, we're unaware of them. So what, what kind of you know, examples would you have of where someone might have that kind of unconscious bias? What kind of decisions might I make or might Ben make or might you make that we are making a decision that and we have a degree of bias around that decision but we're unaware of it so this is the thing unconscious bias um first of all I want to say this is everyone has unconscious bias so it's not something that I don't have it or you do have it um we all that's how brains work you can't not have it um, so, and it's not a bad thing either. So some people um, really feel affected by unconscious bias, but it's actually a very powerful thing and it's there to protect you as much as anything. And those, and it's, it's things you've learned, it's your experiences and, and all of those are beneath the surface. So I just want to really address that because sometimes it can be quite confronting um, the topic in general. So where they actually impact um, is, well, in every, everything. Um, the ones I'd like to cover are predominantly in the workplace and also in your, your interactions with other people and actually in accountancy and finance as well. Um, so the reason why it's becoming such a topic of conversation, um, especially in, in the workplace, is because it does unconscious bias influences so many decisions that are made. Um, now, it's usually about other people. So unconscious bias is always our bias really about other people and how things work. And it just means that we go to an automatic way of thinking um, that we might not have just taken the time to challenge and, um, and we might not have gone, ah, oh, is that actually true? Or is that just something like my mum told me for years? <laughs> you know? um, so for instance, um, uh, there's some crazy statistics out there that have been compiled. Um, so if we look at things like there's, there's gender bias, there's race bias, um, there's uh, religion, religious bias. It's basically any which way that we are different from one another, we can be biased. And, and the reason for that is purely because our brain is, makes little connections. So um, for, we can be biased against 
fire, for instance, very, very good bias <laughs> to have because um, that's how things work. Some, if you put your hand in something and it, it was hot and it hurt, um, the brain creates uh, an automatic connection. Oh, fire bad. And uh, regardless of how many times, you know, uh, we've, we've said things, we can tell people, uh, and I will say this is the biggest thing in your in your careers is to learn is that you can tell people things, but until they they experience it and you show them, then uh, that's the quickest way to, <laughs> to develop a behavior. Um, but the, the brain is making conscious connections. So astoundingly, this impacts in a business hugely financially as well. Um, hiring decisions have been found when they've been researched um, to be absolutely ridiculous, actually, when it comes to uh, the biases that can happen. So um, take this, for example, in, uh, say, Western countries such as the UK and the US, um, if someone we don't we can't see anyone's uh, age, their age bias as well, um, if you can't see their where they live, um, but you're going on name. Um, you're 50% more likely to get a job if you have what is considered a um, traditionally English name, uh, regardless. So that, that is a clear bias um, towards someone with a different name with a, with a, from another culture. And then there are other biases, like um, CEOs uh, tend to be taller um, so apparently, you know, we are biased against short CEOs, um, which is uh, not to say there aren't any, but apparent people have been put uh, placed into those positions um, and, posi and because they're perceived as having power. Um, we also have different kinds of bias when we meet people like, oh, they're just like me. Um, so they went to the same school as me. Uh, they went to the same uh, we go to the same clubs or we go to we're part of the same um, we're interested in the same music or anything like that and that's called affinity bias they like it and I like it so they must be good um, so we make those kind of biases as well which is quite natural because that's how tribes and cultures are formed and that's what we have in the workplaces we want people who believe in the same values or um, so it can be a very positive thing as much as anything um so and and it goes on for instance in meetings uh 34 i think of people are less likely to speak up if they haven't had uh that affinity bias with people because they're scared to say something and that affects innovation that affects change that affects um specifically you know in accountancy one of the big ones is digital transformation um and if people aren't willing to speak up because they're afraid of what will happen um, then you're just hearing groupthink, which is everyone agreeing with the same thing and not willing to hypothesize and challenge and in a safe environment. So it can have such a huge impact. Um, and that's even before we start about statistics and numbers of, uh, that can be biased. <laughs> so I, I think about what you've said there, and it's enough, it, it, uh, uh, you know, I think that I definitely have, you know, loads of those biases because I know if I walk into a room of people um, and I know someone's a football fan I'll go and speak to them because I know instantly I'll be I'll have rapport with them and you know I, I will tend to gravitate towards people that I think are roughly my age because again I think I have something in common with them you talked about going to the same school I went to university in Leeds 
the minute I find another Leeds graduate, I'm talking about nights out that I've had in Leeds, clubs that I used to go to, pubs that I would drink in. You know, do you remember, you know, if they were there at the same time, sort of time as me as well. It's like, do you remember that winter when it was really snowy and with those awful winds? And because I've got that common grounds. The thing that amazes me, though, is that, that you know, I, I, you know, I don't think that most businesses have got processes in place that if you're applying, you should have an equal chance with an equal candidate that's that's equally qualified. But the 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 stats show that if you happen to be taller, you've got a better chance. <laughs> yeah. Which is good for me at six foot three. I'm I'm happy there. Um, but also it can come down to your name, which it yeah. which just seems remarkable. It can come down to your name. Um, I mean, even thinking about uh that there's been um a really interesting uh, debate uh, that I saw on, I think it's on LinkedIn, where there was a tale of two Johnsons um, who posted about negotiation in salary negotiations. Mm -hmm. And one hiring manager said, um, well, they pitched for their salary and they didn't bother to negotiate. So I'm not going to do that job for them. And she put this on up on LinkedIn um, because the person came from a background where that, that isn't something you did. And then you, but someone else, however, has been in the environment where you do negotiate salary, but equally when she, um, the other person had posted, someone today put for, asked for a salary and uh, that wasn't their worth. So I made sure they knew what our, our limit was and we're gonna pay them their worth. So that again is different forms of biases playing in that scenario, which, which then infects investors, infects profit, infect, um, uh, you know, affects the the person and their their income and salary and their home and their mortgage and all of those things. So it's a huge wide impact. And and if you think so, the World Economic Forum actually um, did a, a survey. And in terms of the gender pay gap as well between men and women globally speaking, apparently it's going to take 108 years for that to balance out. So if so, biases are really that's that's a huge thing. <laughs> and think about how that then affects a, a business's bottom line as well um, and what that's happening there so it can be huge but meeting someone that of course you're going to gravitate to someone because your brain is going I know them first of all networking environment that's so it's it's brilliantly safe it's warm it's a great place to start out it's wonderful but the difference is is that's that's you having a relationship and it's making sure that relationship doesn't uh, you know, you didn't just hire that person because they went to Leeds because you like people from Leeds <laughs> rather than um, going, no, I'm still going to, you know, look at the richness that every candidate can bring. And that's where we need to be conscious about those biases and just have a pause. And all it is, is just having a pause to say, OK, how is this impacting my decision making skills? Mm. So You've already name checked mum and <laughs> my, my, my presumption is. We're not born with these biases. So, so I suppose the first thing I've heard is maybe our parental upbringing and our experiences in our, our younger years have a part to play. But, but what other things drive or maybe give us these perspectives that are unconsciously adopted by our brains? Well, this is the thing. It's um, there's, there's 
so many things. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, our, our parents and our family situation. So in terms of who your family are, um, your experiences as a child, uh, your, you know, what you loved, what you didn't love, what was, um, if there's any trauma, um, and uh, that all impacts your decision making. Um, it also culture, your religion, uh, your socioeconomic background, um, all of that, it's just what you know, it's just what you were raised with. So of course it's gonna impact your decision-making and, and make you very aware of some things and very unaware of other things as well. Um, and not only that, it's also what you read and what you listen to and whose advice you seek and, um, and who you admire and all of these things. And this is why, um, for instance, in the news at the moment, of course, the Joe Rogan podcast is a big, big news item uh, at the moment because of uh, the guests he's had on. Now, the reason why that is because it's influential, it's influencing people's decisions. Um, and again, financially speaking, we're seeing this on a huge level when when the um, I'm, I'm going to do a spoiler for anyone who's not seen the new Sex in the City movie. I haven't seen it myself, but I was fascinated by the results. I don't know if you guys saw what happened. Um, but spoiler, pause right now, just for a second. <laughs> Skip forward 10 seconds if you don't want to hear. But um, the the main character's love interest, um, Mr. Big, dies on a peloton. And what happened is the next uh, day after the movie release is that Peloton's shares tanked, absolutely dived, based on a fictional character's death to the point where they had to make an advert um, saying, no, he's still alive, <laughs> Peloton's all good, they're not to blame. Um, and, and that's how much we are biased by uh, what we watch, what we read, social media. And, and don't forget, of course, all of that is actually designed to influence your behaviours and decisions. It's a similar, similar story. I don't know if you saw about um, Cristiano Ronaldo um, was was interviewed and one of the, the competition sponsors was Coca-Cola. And so there's a bottle of Coca-Cola in front of him when he went to his press conference and he just picked it up, put it to one side, put a bottle of water up there and says, no, I drink water. And that was all he did. And it wiped billions of pounds off the value of Coke just because he said, I don't drink it. I want to drink water. It's just crazy. You're absolutely right about how these things influence markets, how they influence decision making and, and the impact that they stand. That's, that's one thing. And we're surrounded by thousands of different pieces of stimuli every day that are all telling us different things. Um, I, I guess, that, you know, that I think you've kind of answered it, but, you know, we've said that we all have these kind of biases. Is it possible for anyone to ha have no bias and just purely see everything on its merits? No. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to meet that person if they exist. Uh, I, you know, I don't don't believe in absolutes. So but I'm going to I'm going to go with a no um, purely because it's impossible not to be. I mean, if you um, walk down a street to like an alleyway, dark and it's I don't know, there's a fog coming in and um, and you go down an alley when you start to hear footsteps behind you and there's someone who is tall, who um, maybe uh, and I will paint a very generalized picture who maybe has tattoos and has a shaved head, um, then, then actually you're probably, A, you've got a vision of them in your head right now as I speak. And I'd be really curious to know um, 
uh, what gender and what race they are in your head, because that is your bias. Um, uh, as in, as in, and it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just your what you've been told or a story that is in your existing and living in your brain. Um, and that person, um, you you start to your heart starts racing, the hairs on the back of your neck start going um, because everything in your brain is telling you this is not a good person and this is not a good situation and you are in danger and that that is what it's there to do so it's there to protect you um, so that then you do have those signals in your body to help you run away and, and ignite that fight or flight situation um, but if he then bends down uh, say as a man who bends down and he picks up his kitten that he's lost <laughs> and then suddenly everything calms down and the introduction of data which is the kitten um will then you know also you know change that bias and change your information and your decision making on that spot so we have to make decisions based on information or that's how we do it that's how we make friends that's how we build relationships at work that's how um particularly for instance in like audits you've got to have great relationships with people to get the best out of them and to manage something that's particularly tricky um and and relationship skills are very important there so it's all about understanding how people might have a bias for you and what you're presenting what information you're presenting to them and the, the way you say it and the way you communicate it um, and equally what you might have, like what preconceptions you might be having about them. So yes, we all have biases because that's just how we're born and that's just how we are as people. But how we can go that next step further by just saying, oh, why do I think that? Do I know that to be true? And how do I know that? Where's that come from? I really like that example because um, you know, instantly, as you said, as you said that you know someone tall is following you in, in the mist and all those kind of things. Um, I was in, my first thought was they'd be a great CEO, um, but then um, <laughs> it, it, in my head they were instantly male. You know, if, if that was instantly what I thought is that yeah, that must be male. But then I didn't re I didn't even I would never if you'd have said afterwards who followed down the alley, alley I was oh, was that tall bloke. I, I wouldn't have even recognised that you didn't mention whether they were male or female. Mm. Um, and, and I know that it's something that I, I recognise that you know I, I, I do have that bias because I know that when, I, when I'm in class and I'm teaching and I, I kind of want to you know, illustrate something, I'm instantly drawn to um, certain people in certain roles being of a certain gender. Um, so if I'm saying, oh, the finance director, I'll, 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 I almost have to check myself. And, you know, I, in class, I kind of like very consciously make a decision to sometimes reverse what I expect that gender to be. Um, and, and just because I, I recognise that I have that bias and I know that it's not right. I know that, my, you know, that there are, there are thousands of finance directors out there that are female and yet I, I would always go to, oh, and you would go and see him. Mm. Whereas what I like to say is that, well, you know, you know, there's a brilliant finance director, what would you say to her? Uh, and try to make those changes. But it's, it's hard to overcome your own wiring. It is. But the good thing is that it's being, as long as you're questioning it and saying, oh, what would happen if I flip that around? That, that's amazing because that's, that's the one thing that you can do. And the more that you do it, and the thing is, this is... Um, 
neurologically speaking, in, and we're talking about um, uh, neuroplasticity, which is yeah. our ability to change our brain. Um, and we do have this miraculous ability to learn new habits and learn new ways of doing things. Um, it's what you're doing when you're learning. And, um, uh, but the thing is, it is that repetition and it's also a connection um, to various like um, positive chemicals and things that forges, successfully forges a new neural pathway. So just even by asking that question and by being really curious and positive about that, um, then you're, you're already changing your behaviours and opening yourself up to a world of possibility. But then I, I, I although I fell for your trick, um, I also play it on people as well, is that I, I will deliberately withhold the gender of someone if I'm talking about a situation. Um, and I'll say that a student came to see me and the student did X, Y, Z, and this was what happened at the end of it. And they'll say, and I'll quite often have people then saying, oh, so what did he do next? Uh, so actually, um, and it's, but I, I just do that because, you know, I, I want to see what people think and want to see what people, so that's just me being silly probably. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, the, it's really thinking about the impact as well that it has. And, and a, a lot of the time, things like that, it doesn't, have much of an impact so it's, it's, it's you know it's, it's by the by but I have and I have to say um because I've got a gender neutral name if I shorten it so which is why often um like on any kind of speaker sessions or anything like that I'll always have my full name um because uh one of my corporate jobs that I had when I was uh much younger um probably when uh, Silla Black was still on the TV uh then um I I worked in a global company and, and I was like the only person on my team uh, in the UK and I was um, working in a European, like my team was European. And this was before video and before all of that. So we didn't have that. We had a lot of conference calling and chat facilities like instant messaging um, so for communication. And um, I used to have to talk to all the different people in the different companies across Europe. And, um, and of course it would say Alex. And the amount of times I always got uh, male pronouns, always male pronouns more than female. Um, so I just got in the habit of making sure I put my whole name, Alexandra. Really though, it made no difference. And I have to say, I, I am totally guilty of using that to my advantage when I needed decision-making um, to go in my favor, because if they were assuming I was male and I hadn't corrected them, it did tend to go in my favor. So my ideas were implemented more successfully than if they knew my full name, which is a bit sad. But, you know, this is, again, it's an awareness of that was to try and do the best job I possibly could. So I hope it was in good intentions <laughs> in a sense. But it's about it's about being aware of all of those those things. Um, and and yeah, um, there's been many a time uh, and I'm sure everyone here has a story of something that was assumed about them. Um, we do it with abilities and disabilities. Uh, we do it with gender. Um, I, last time I, I bought my car, I was so proud. I really wanted this spe special type of car. I'd worked really hard to save up for it. And I just wanted, uh, I do, I, I'm actually, I quite know my cars. I'm very good with my cars, but I wanted to make sure that it was going to suit uh, my husband and things like that. And every car garage uh, we went into to check about the financing and the deals, they always spoke to him about the money. And it started to really annoy me. <laughs> so, um, at which point he said, I don't know, she's paying for it. Um, but again, that can be the way things have done. Um, 
I've, I've also been in a situation where um, once I, I, I worked with a local authority on a project and uh, I know this sounds a bit mad, but I had to go and check um, people's properties and go into people's properties and I had to go up a ladder and more than once um, men of an older generation refused to let me do that um, because I was female um, and, and they wanted a man to come and do it and we're talking in a bungalow so we're not talking you know it wasn't a height <laughs> so um, and again they, these are all things and and I accept that because that's the world they grew up in as well um, and in a sense that's a part of what they were taught was being gentlemanly. And uh, so again, that's a positive intention, um, but actually, you know, it's all of these things can impact. I'm conscious we still need to do the big reveal for the exercise, but I've, I've just got a question because a couple of things that you've said have just got me thinking about the screen I'm looking at now, actually, we're on Zoom this evening. As, as lots of the world have found themselves in the last 18 months, more so than they would have been before, certainly. Do you think the, the digital world some of us have been thrown into, but, but more and more people are adopting, is having an impact on those kind of biases? I'm thinking I'm looking at a screen full of names, but people haven't got webcams on, which I'm kind of used to. And so I'm making presumptions about the people that would be behind those names. You mentioned height with regards to the, the CEOs, and obviously no one really knows your height when you're on a Zoom screen. It's as good as the, the webcam can portray you. Do, do you think there is going to be some, some impact from the stuff we've had to deal with for the last 18 months? Uh, you know, um, it's funny because we were talking about, uh, I, I actually talked just earlier today about this very thing, which is so many people are going back into the office. And I had someone yesterday I was on a call with who said, we're all back in the office for the first time. And some of us had changed. I mean, she changed a lot because she was eight months pregnant and, and no one had seen below the shoulder level um, for, for a while. So we've got all of these changes and also new starters, people have never met before. Um, and, and that's where actually being on screen is showing as much as yourself so that you can really make authentic connections can be um, very powerful. But yeah, people will have made quite a few assumptions in this digital world. I think as Ben said, it's, it's time for, for us to kind of revisit that, that question that, that we posed at the beginning. So um, I, I know that we, we, when we did this in our class, Ben and I kind of squirreled away and, and, and wrote down our 10 names. And then um, you, you, you then, asked us a few things so I don't know if you want to take us through your process now uh, with, for, the, for the listeners that have got their their 10 people that they would go to their 10 trusted people yes absolutely so um okay if you have your your 10 trusted people and don't worry if you don't have 10 if you have five that's absolutely fine not to worry now I'd like you to go through that and I'd like you to think about um well I want you to mentally or physically tick uh, beside the names of those people who share the same gender as you. And now I'd like you to tick the ones that have the same race as you. And I'd like you to tick the ones that have the same religion as you. And then tick the ones that have the same uh, education as you. 
and now tick the ones that have the same nationality as you. And I'll leave it there for the moment. And now I'd love for you all to have a look at your list and see how many have got ticks and how many haven't. And what, have you done it again, Ben? I have, I've been ticking. I've got lots of ticks and I kind <laughs> of know what was coming, but my, <laughs> my, my, my ticks haven't changed since the last time we did this exercise, I don't think. I, I, I only know accountants. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But if you'd have said tick all the ones that are accountants, yeah. then yeah. In accountancy. Well, um, Ben, I'd be really interested to know how do you think that impacts your decision making? It it's it's a very close shop, I have to say, and I, I almost feel embarrassed to say it. I, I think gender-wise, when I ticked it was half and half. Mm. But then I look at the people that are on there who are female and they are family members mostly with a couple of colleagues. I have to say on my list that, that five of the 10 are accountants, which probably says more about the social life of an accountant than anything else. Um, four of them I have worked with. No, five of them I've worked with. Um, five of them live in the same town, Alexandra. So that, that just, just gives you some insight. Um, but, but I suppose what it means is I naturally would go to people that I know and trust mm. I've probably come to know and trust them from working with them or having them as part of my closer or extended family and I suppose it's the 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 need to reach out and, and think how can I get more people on on this list which is that something that that you've had the conversation with other people having done this exercise well, this is where I, I get annoyingly open-ended and I, I kind of reinforce things as a coach, which is, well, does this impact you? Does this impact the way that you fulfill your role? And how does this, uh, how does that circle? It's your circle of trust, basically. Um, do you feel that having um, more diversity um, will actually help you uh, or enrich in your the ability to do your job and your career? Does it help you be a better accountant? Does it help you make better choices or, um, I don't know, more innovative choices or more uh, brave choices? Who knows? So the question is, is are you happy with how that, that plays out? And what could you learn about yourself and the way that your trusted advisors in your um, impact your decisions and then how does that impact other people I suppose reassuringly there are certainly a number of people on that list that I regularly disagree with so mm -hmm. that, that I guess from this perspective would be a good thing and Ellie my wife if you're listening to the podcast um we, we usually agree on most things but but she's a good source of challenge I think from a, a work perspective I see that increasingly, Dave, in, in senior management team meetings where challenge is a good thing. And actually, that's something that you come to appreciate in your career to start with. I'd have seen someone challenging me as a really bad thing. And I would imagine for a lot of our students, when you're early stages of your career, you probably see someone disagreeing with you as a, a real negative, And you would almost be embarrassed to kind of give a, an alternate opinion. Increasingly, 
I, I come to relish the challenge that we get at senior management level. So, so that's a good thing. And kind of what we talk about board diversity, but, but having people that disagree is not a bad thing necessarily. It's exactly that. So that you're getting, and, and especially as you're going, growing in your career, is that ability to um, know the difference between challenging for the sake of challenging or challenging because it could help everything be a lot better. And as I said, 34% of people don't speak up, especially with a senior leader, because they're afraid of that dynamic of no senior is always right. Um, and, and ideally what we want from senior leaders is someone who creates that space and safety to go, no, let's let's challenge this. Let's see if we're still doing, you know, just because it's always been done this way doesn't mean it's always the right way. Uh, is there anything else we should be updating, bringing to this? And, and the more that you work as well in systems and processes, all of that thinking, it all ties in. I think, Ben, if we think about the the, the corporate governance that, that we, we teach. And when we look at the, the history of corporate governance and it, the, the businesses that have failed have tended to be businesses where the leaders have, have all been thinking exactly the same thing and doing the same thing and are very, very similar. When I think about organizations I've worked at, the most toxic environment that I ever worked in was a, a, an environment whereby all of the management were all male all probably within about 10 years of each other in terms of age. And it was, it was really, it, it just wasn't a nice environment to work in. Um, you know, when you look at the, the models of good governance, that, you know, the, the, it, we talk about diversity in terms of, in, in terms of background, in terms of, in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of age. And that makes a, you know, a good board of directors that are able to bring their experiences from, from their, their own backgrounds. And as you say, they're able to challenge. But then from what Alex and Alex was saying all, all, all those, we're, we're fighting against our own nature in order to do that. Because if you think about why people are on my list, how did they get on my list? They're on my list because, you know, some of them, because my parents thought it would be a good idea to get together with another set of parents and introduce me to their child because we had stuff in common. We liked kicking a ball together, around together in the dirt and that's why we became friends. Why did I gravitate towards the friends I had at school? Exactly the same thing. It's like, I'll, I'll go and play with those kids because, you know, they, they you know, play the same games as I do. As I got older, it was, I gravitated towards people because they liked the same music that I did. And they were into the same kind of thing. They went to the same places. And you, you're all the way through your life, you're always attracted to people that have got the same kind of interests. But then when it comes to being in the workplace, if you do that all the time, you're missing out on all of those other experiences. So it's a real challenge, I think, to be able to, to shake off all of that baggage to be able to look at, well, what's, you know, who is the best person to actually recruit into this role? Who's the best person to be on a board as directors with me? And, and that's a wonderful way of putting that because what you're saying there is that actually a lot of, a lot of these things form our identity and who we are um, and why it's uncomfortable is because then you're asking, this is a part of who I am and we're, we're associating associating that with a negative and that's not what it's about it's it's about just simply having that awareness and asking the question as you just said is um you know you're it's not none of these things are bad and negative it's just about having that awareness about how it all comes together and affects that things like governance things like sitting on a board etc 
Excellent. Well, time is once again run away with us, Ben, hasn't it? We've, we've reached five past the hour and I, I promised um, Alexandra that we'd be finished at seven o'clock. So I, I'm sorry we've run over a little bit, but uh, it, it's been absolutely fascinating. I've, I've really, really enjoyed our, our conversation this evening. And I know that our, our listeners are really going to enjoy this when they're out walking their dog, listening to things like this in, in the early hours of the morning. So I, I'd like to, to thank you very much for coming along today, Alexandra. It's been yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, and um, I'm, I'm just going to leave Ben just to say some final farewells before we sign off today. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you, everybody who joined live on the Student Forum. Please keep coming to the Wednesday sessions. For those of you listening to the podcast, thank you for downloading. Please continue to share the link with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family. And if you want to have a topic of conversation in a future session, drop myself, drop Dave an email. We are really open to making the podcast what you want it to be. If you want to come on and be a guest, myself and Dave would love to invite you to come and join and speak with us. But look after yourselves, look after each other this week, and we will see you next week for another episode of the First Intuition Podcast. Thank you all very much. Thank you.